Uh, just a few things I felt burning on my spirit this morning as I was spending time with the Lord. Tonight I want to talk to you uh, about something that every Christian should learn to enjoy and endure. The, the title of my sermon tonight, if it had one, would be Face the Resistance. Uh, I'm going to be in, in Mark 4.36, 4.37, and 4.39 tonight. Just three. Just three. Not like the normal 15 to 20, but just three. And I'm going to start in 4.36, and I'm just going to read through 39, and then I'm going to go back and break it down to what I feel like the Lord is saying and, and what needs to be said through this. Now when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Say he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Another translation says he told it to shut up. I like that one. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. In Mark 4.36, it says something very interesting to me that they had to leave the multitude. The multitude would be where the mass majority of people are walking, uh, spending time in their life, uh, their Christian walk. It would have been the multitude that would have been following Jesus to the edge of the water, but very few have the faith to launch out into the deep. Very few have the faith to jump in a boat and follow Him into the unknown. The multitude will always follow you as long as you stay on the ground that they know. As long as you stay where they're comfortable, what they're used to, but you put them in front of something new that is uncertain to them. Even though Jesus is leading the way, they simply will not come because it's too unknown for them. But when you launch out into the deep, you will find that those that seem to want all of God begin to step away from the call that's beckoning them into the deep. But the deep, I will tell you, is where we will find ourselves alone with Jesus. It's where we will find the most intimate moments. It's where we will find the deepest revelation, the greatest breakthrough, the greatest promotion the greatest servanthood, the greatest ability to go lower so that He can go higher. And when we launch out into the deep with Him without fear of circumstance, opinion, what used to be reality, we now find ourselves in a new reality. And I think that is awesome because there's so many other boats with Him whenever it takes off, but there's another uh, another passage of scripture that says that the boats begin to turn around when the storm came. What is amazing is that the storm will always be used to weed out those that can't make the trip. 
those that aren't meant to make it to the other side, and those that aren't even going to make it through the storm. And it's okay, they should turn back. Because if they don't have the faith to stand in the adversity of the storm, then they probably don't have the faith to stand in front of what's on the other side of the storm. Because the storm only comes to prepare you for what's on the other side. And to make those that think that they're ready realize that they're not and have them turn around and go back. But those that will continue to push through, even when they're not ready, He'll prepare you through the storm. It says in Mark 4.37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. When the storm begins to rage, others will turn around. We must become the ones that stay. The storms will come, but faith will see you through. In the moments of storms and adversity, it's always important. As I tell uh, the people that I disciple, parts of my ministry, you hear me say this often, what did God say? Not what did Brother Andrew say, not what, what did your pastor say, not what did your mama say, not what did your daddy say, your grandma, your cousin, that person that led you to Jesus, not what did they say, what did God say to you? Before the storm hit, what did God say? Because what I have watched happen so many times in ministry is that people will tell me that God said for them to do something, but the moment it becomes difficult to do what God said, they now doubt their ability to hear God. Now it wasn't no longer that God said, but maybe I heard God incorrectly. You know, brother, it's so amazing to me that everyone's so spiritually mature until a storm hits, and then they immediately will step in to say, I'm just immature. I can't hear the voice of God. I heard incorrectly, and I need to go back to where I was to hear God. My friend, you heard God, but now you're stepping away from being a sheep and becoming a vagabond. You're just going to float around to where it's easiest and you're receiving what you want to receive. But the moment that it gets hard, you're going to step away from what God told you to do. That is rebellion and disobedience. Now that's not Brother Andrew said, do this or do that. You're telling me what God told you to do. And then the other one that's awesome for me is the moment that it begins to get difficult, they want to say that I'm the one that told them. And I say, no, I didn't. I just helped you with what you told me God said. I just helped you get to where you told me God wanted you to go. It didn't matter if I thought it was wrong or right. It mattered what you told me God said. You tell me God said, and if God tells me to help you, then I'm going to help you do what God said. And it's not my fault when things become difficult for you. You have to choose to push through to receive the promise that God spoke to you when no one else was around. Mark 4.39, we know the storm is arose. The disciples are in the boat. They begin to freak out. He doesn't care. He's sleeping. How could he be sleeping at a time like this? We need to wake Jesus up and get another word. He already told them, take me to the other side. But the moment the storm comes, they need Jesus to speak another word. They need him to wake up and tell them what to do next when he's already told them what to do. He didn't say when a storm comes, I want you to freak out. I want you to lose your mind. I want you to come back to me and ask me what to do. He said, get me to the other side. 
See, the prophetic words that you are living on are to get him to another place for which he wants to go. It's not about getting you somewhere. He already saved you. You're already redeemed. He needs to be taken somewhere that he can't go on his own because now he lives in us and we must become Jesus to the forgotten world, to the unsearched world, to the evil world, to the not redeemed world. We must take Him where He tells us to go. The Word of God on your life is not for you, it's for Him in you to get Him where He needs to be. He delivers a Word to you so that you'll take Him where He needs to go. The disciples here were given a Word. He wanted to go to the other side. And just like now, He is resting. He's waiting for us to take Him there. The Spirit of the living God is inside of you. And it is beckoning you and begging you and calling you into the deep waters that have been uncharted to do something new, to do something better, to take it to a people that need to know the name of Jesus. Not just in some religiosity way, but in relationship and power that breaks down walls. But here's the thing. When you begin to take Jesus, the Son of the living God, through the Spirit of the living God, crossed enemy territory, the enemy cannot let you do it without a fight. He has to come against you. He has to keep you from making it to the other side because if you make it to the other side, he knows that the storm that he put in the way will propel you into a greater level of intimacy and relationship with Jesus because the answer in the storm is to get closer to Jesus, not further away. And to step away from the word that God has given you is stepping away from Jesus. It don't matter if you pray the whole way in the wrong direction. You were wrong and are further from intimacy with Jesus than you were before because you're in rebellion and disobedience. So they have a word. Take me to the other side. Many boats are trying to follow. They turn around and go back. The storm is getting bad. It's even starting to flood the boat. I've been in a lot of these places where I look around and see my boat beginning to flood. And I see people in my boat, disciples, beginning to freak out. Wanting to know what God said. What do we do? We continue to do what God told us to do before the storm came. I don't need a word in the middle of the storm. I need to get on my face in the middle of the storm. And I need to believe Him and have faith that if He called me to the storm, He'll see me through the storm. And so then I don't need to give another word. I don't need to hear him for another word, and I don't need to understand why the storm comes. I don't need to understand how I'm going to make it through it. I don't need to understand why it's there. I just need to know that he told me to get to the other side. Because he never told me there's going to be a storm that's going to come in your path. And when it does, I want you to stop right there and lose your mind and forget everything that I ever told you and turn right into the hand of the enemy and disappear and dissipate and turn back like the rest of them. He wants to know, will you go with me? He wants to know, will you follow me? He wants to know, when he begins to test you in the storm, can you endure the hand of the enemy that's coming against you? And when you're in the storm, it seems like the biggest storm of your life. 
But the moment you make it through it, you realize how small that it was. Because the Word of God is bigger. The mandate of heaven is greater. And the mandate of hell shall lose. Because the blood is too, is too strong. Our will is too great. And the mission is dire. Because people are dying. And going to hell without ever knowing the power and the full manifestation of the living God through the Spirit whom He sent, that He said we need it. That would help us. In 439 it says, Then He arose. They woke Him up. They needed another word. Let me tell you, when God gives you a word and then you can't obey it, the next word that He gives will not be one that you want. Don't believe me? Let's read it. Then he arose and he said to the sea, he's like, okay, I get it. You lost your mind. Let me calm it for you. Peace, be still. Wind, waves, shut up. Enemy, back down. I'm here. But that's not the word he gave them. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then in 40, he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Not little, not small amount, none. He says, how is it that I told you to take me to the other side and the moment something got in your way, you lost your mind and woke me up so that I could do what I told you to do, but you needed me to do it for you. I gave you the authority with the word that I gave. I commanded you to take me to the other side, but you doubted the word. When you doubt my word, you now have no faith. So how do, we, how do we live this way, Brother Andrew? How do, we, how do we live this way to be able to rebuke storms? How, do we, uh, how are we able to not have to wake up Jesus, but to be able to stay on the path and the trajectory that He sent us out on when He gave us the Word and told us to go? How do we do that? You do what Jesus did. The moment you wake up in the morning, start rebuking the storms over your life. As soon as you wake up, as soon as Jesus woke up, He rebuked the storms that had gathered while He slept. There's always going to be storms gathering while you sleep. It's your job to wake up in the morning on fire for Jesus, in love with Him, ready to smash hell in the face with praise, worship, and surrender. These storms, they were coming, they were trying to take His ministry. There was a mandate on Jesus' life to get to the other side, and if it could have killed him then, it would have destroyed his ministry. See, I don't believe that Satan was so bent on destroying the Son of God. I think that he didn't know who he was entirely, and he knew that the ministry that the Son of God, Jesus, was doing was putting such great hurt on what he was trying to do in the world that he had to stop it. He said, whatever it takes, boys, we got to get him to stop. I don't know who he is. I know they're saying he's this. I know they're saying he's that. Some say this. Some say that. I don't know who he is. But what I do know is he needs to be stopped. Everywhere he goes, people believe. Everywhere he goes, people are getting healed. Everywhere he goes, people are getting set free. I can't have this. And right now, he's on the way across the sea to one of my greatest protégés. He's, he's messing up an entire city. And if he gets there, I know he's going to set him free. And if he sets him free, 
Ain't no telling what that boy will do after he gets free. He might just plant a bunch of churches full of believers filled with the Holy Ghost, walking in power that destroy me every day. I've got to stop him. He wanted to kill him. He wanted to take his ministry. He was trying to take out his life and he was trying to take out the life of his disciples. Because even, if, even though they were in fear, even though they were in doubt, if they had caught on to one little bit of what their teacher was teaching them, it was a problem for hell. You must live ready to do the same when the storm comes against you. You must live ready the moment your eyes wake up that you begin to worship Jesus. You begin to talk to Him. You begin to magnify Him. You begin to declare the promises that He's spoken over your life. And then you step out into Him and you rebuke the storm over your life and over your friend's life and over your partner's life and over your husband's life and over your kid's life. You rebuke the storms out of it. You tell it, peace be still. You shall not have my peace today. Storms will come. The wind will blow. The waves will crash. But the word of God has not changed. Nobody's opinion, nobody's doubt, nobody's inability to understand, unwillingness to get in, to try to understand, will change or stop the word of God that he spoke to you. And he spoke it to you. It is your job to take him where he needs to be. It is your job to sometimes stand on the bow of the boat and look your family straight in the eye and tell them, Peace, shut up. You shall not take the word of God from me. It is sometimes your job to stand on the bow of the boat and tell that person that led you to Jesus that now is trying to keep you from the word of God on your life and tell them to, Peace, shut up. You can't have what God told me to do. You might have led me to Jesus. You might have brought me into this world. You might have been my best friend. But the moment you come against what the Word of God has said for me to do, you now become my biggest enemy. Prove it. I can in Scripture. Jesus is walking and He's telling them that He has to die. Peter then says, one of His favorite disciples says He will not let it happen. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. His biggest enemy. He calls Peter the name of his biggest enemy. The moment you stand in the way of what God has told you to do, you're now an enemy. Don't stand between me and what God told me to do. Don't tell me to do one thing and then two days later tell me to do something else because now you become a liar to me. Some of y'all need to just get refilled with the Holy Ghost and remember the Word of God that's been spoken over your life and stop moving on until it's been fulfilled. No storm can chase you out of it. No person's opinion, no church body, no congregation, no leadership, anywhere that you haven't submitted to can talk you out of what God has said. And any real leadership in your life will not try to. They'll help you. 
They'll be there for you. They'll answer your questions. They'll come and see. They'll help you along the way. They'll be a part of your journey. Because watching you mature and grow into what God has told you to do should be, should be the greatest desire of their life. It's not to see their ministry fulfilled. It's not to see the mandate on their life fulfilled. Those are important. Those are great. But when you've been called to be a leader, it is your job to have a desire and a will to see those under you become greater than you. And if you don't live that way, you're wrong. Stop holding people back. Instead, get under them and begin to push. Begin to push them up to what God told them to do. Who cares if you think it's wrong? They heard God. you got to let them. If they're wrong, they'll find out in a minute. And it's your job to catch them when they fall and say, it's okay. Let's fast and pray again and hear God again. And then they again. it's your job to get under them again. It's your job to help them. Not hold them back. Jesus, I've done all I can do. I magnify you. Father God, I ask for you to release more bold words across the face of this earth. More bold words that will make leaders begin to struggle as this younger generation steps into the more of you that they will not be satisfied with the compromise and the religious mandate of the day. But they'll become so hungry for more of you that you'll speak things that nobody else has ever heard. Because they become, hun- they become hungry for the no eye has seen nor ear has heard. No heart could truly know. They will not stop where their fathers before them have stopped, but they'll push on and press in and step into the greater. This is not a time to back down. This is a time to pick up your sword and begin to charge. Release the mighty warriors. Release the wild ones. We'll take them, Lord. We'll help them. We'll send them, we'll launch them, we'll raise them up, but first we'll hide them. We'll hide them in you and teach them how to stay in intimacy when the whole world begins to tell them how wrong they are. When the whole world begins to tell them there's a better way, but it's too much compromise. Because where there's compromise, there's no fire in his eyes. And we long to see the fire. We long to see the hair like wool. He's so beautiful. A voice like many waters. Speak to your children. Beckon them. Call them into greatness. Empower them for your glory. Embarrass them for your glory. Create create in us a temple, O God, to where the full manifestation of your Spirit has complete freedom. A positional reality to where the prayer service is the service. To where weeping and snot and tears and messy hair and makeup running 
is the sacrifice. Shut up. Have your way, Holy One. Have your way. Mighty winds of heaven begin to blow across this country. Break open and break down the walls that have been put up by the church that has disabled the children's ability to hear you. Restore what's been taken. Because even the church, when stands against the word of God, has become the enemy. And you are no longer the church. Help us to know how to pray for them, Lord. Help us to give place to wrath, as your word says. But help us to know how to pray for them. And may there never be compromise in my eyes. For I long to touch the hole on your side. Not in doubt, but just because I must be that close. I must be that close to you. Jesus' name. I bless y'all.